This episode is sponsored by Down to Earth Ice Teas. Our functional super teas are made from organic super herbs and adaptogens and contain no sugar, no preservatives, no food colorings, and range from only zero to 10 calories per bottle. Our beverages are USDA organic, kosher, vegan, non-GMO, and keto and paleo friendly. Finally, bottled beverages that you can truly trust. Check out drinkdowntoearth.com and use promo code PODCAST10 for 10% off your first order. Welcome back to the Down to Earth podcast. Today, our hosts are joined by endurance athlete, Eric Hinman. Eric is a five-time Ironman athlete, content creator, and social media influencer. Eric is also a health and wellness, tech, and hospitality entrepreneur and angel investor. Championing innovative disruptors in the fitness and wellness space, Eric's portfolio of angel investments include brands such as 10,000, WellWell, and Swerve Fitness. In this episode, our hosts discuss entrepreneurship, how to overcome failure, and the impact our community and environment has on our well-being. This episode will leave you with lots of tangible tips to live a more fulfilled and happier life. Here we go. Welcome to the Down to Earth podcast. We're your hosts, sibling duo, Jonathan and Lorena. In this podcast, we'll be spilling the tea on all things health and wellness related. This podcast is designed to motivate you to take care of your physical, mental, and spiritual health. We'll be bringing on doctors, healers, fitness experts, business leaders, and innovators. Thanks for joining us in our mission of making the world a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Here we go. Hey, Eric. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys today? We're doing well as well. We're both big fans of your work, so we're super excited to be chatting with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. Now, I'd love to get started by learning a little bit more about your background and what ultimately propelled you to taking good care of your health and building that into a business. Sure. So I'll backtrack to high school, college, my first career, and then you know what let me into athletics. So I played three sports in high school. I played basketball, I ran track, and I ran cross country. So I've always enjoyed fitness. I've always enjoyed competing with myself. In college, I got into weightlifting, but it was very vanity-based. It wasn't functional by any means. It was bench press and bicep curls. And then after college, I started my first business, a property and casualty insurance agency. And I was driving 50,000 miles a year, sitting in a car, eating Subway, which I thought was healthy then. I didn't have any, you know, real education in, you know, food for fuel or, you know, exercise and how it tied into your mental health and emotional well being. So for the first seven years of that insurance business, I started to, to gain weight and, you know, I found myself overweight and I hired a personal trainer in my late 20s to start getting back into good, aesthetically looking shape. And I was doing CrossFit type workouts with him. And over about a two year period, you know, I started to be able to see some muscle again on my body. I signed up for a 15K run, so nine miles, and I fell apart like five miles in. And that was kind of my aha moment that, you know, being aesthetically good, uh, having a good physique versus fitness, they're two very different things. So I started running again. And during that time period, it was around 2008, 2009. The very first half Ironman was coming to Syracuse, New York, which is where I'm from. 
And I had a bunch of friends who were doing it and they had these fancy triathlon bikes that had four handlebars and these fancy aero helmets. And more than anything, I was attracted to the, to the cool gear and the cool bike. So I bought one and I said, well, I'd better sign up for a triathlon now that I have all this cool gear. I started swimming, which I had no swimming background. You know, I couldn't swim with my head in the water. Couldn't swim more than a couple laps of the pool when I first started and uh, did my first sprint triathlon in 2009 and almost drowned in the swim, passed a lot of people on the bike, passed more people on the run. And it was really empowering. It reminded me of business where your results are directly correlated to how much purposeful practice you put in. So I really enjoyed that aspect of triathlon. And I signed up for an Olympic distance that following year, hired a coach, started you know having a training program, and then did my first half Ironman. I didn't think I would ever do another race after that first half Ironman. I had to stand under a fire hose for about 30 minutes cooling off and just trying to get back to equilibrium. And then 45 minutes later, I, I told my friends who I was with, I think I'm going to do a full Ironman now. <laughs> sign up for a full Ironman. And, you know, that's when it really started to get, to get real. And, you know, training became basically a, a job where I was training 20 hours a week. And I had this lofty goal of getting to the Ironman world championships and under my coach's wing, his name is Mike Corona. He taught me how to, how to train smart and not just train hard. And, you know, that led me to qualifying for the Ironman world championships twice. And, having a good race my second time doing it. And ultimately, it changed my life to being one really based around health and wellness. I realized to that time period that, you know, I was chasing the wrong things prior, I was chasing, you know, public perception, I was chasing money, I was, you know, it's just a never ending battle, it's never going to be good enough if you're if you're not, you know, satisfied deep down in and, you know, triathlon after each run and bike ride, I just, I felt like the best version of myself. I had tremendous energy, tremendous mental clarity. You know, my stress levels were declining and I'm like, wow, why don't I, why don't I base my life around health and wellness instead of, you know, just trying to make more money, which I think a lot of us are drawn into early in our, in our professional life. So yeah, triathlon is what uh, made me reshape my life and put health and wellness first and foremost before anything else. Is there anything that you learned about yourself along the way, especially when you're just like starting out with training for the triathlons and the Ironmans? Yeah. I mean, it, it taught me that anyone can become really good at something as long as they dedicate a lot of time and effort to it, the 10,000 hour rule. And, you know, it's not just the time dedicated to it. It's cutting out the distractions. I wasn't going out late at night. You know, I, I wasn't uh, eating at a lot of different restaurants where I had all these, you know, different decisions to make around what food to get or, you know, getting desserts. So, yeah, it taught me to live a very structured life and that structure, you know, gives you freedom and it structure is what really defines your, your, your success. I agree. And I also live a very structured life, but I do see with certain people that, you know, they'll try to get onto a routine, but consistency is where they sort of fail because, you know, maybe they'll be good for two weeks and then they backtrack on that. So what tips do you have? You know, what helped you really stay committed long-term to your goals? So I think the people you're around is super important, you know, finding your tribe, finding those people that live and breathe the same passions and purpose and lifestyle that you have, which, you know, ultimately I found by moving to, to Denver, I found an incredible friend group that, you know, put health and wellness first and foremost, adventure first and foremost. Um, training to be the best version of their self, first and foremost, environment, 
you know, I was doing a lot of this in, in upstate New York where, you know, I had access to roads to run on. I had access to roads I could bike on. I had access to a pool. I'm in Miami right now. I, I mentioned to you guys and, you know, like biking here is, is kind of difficult. There's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of stoplights. So setting yourself up in an environment that will, you know, if I wanted to be a tech entrepreneur again, then I'd have to be in New York City. I'd have to be in San Francisco, a place where, you know, there's a lot of creators. But if you're, if you're an athlete, you know, I would encourage people to move towards a place where you can get altitude training, where the sun out is out, you know, most of the time, where the weather is favorable. So your environment is a huge component of it. And, you know, just making things habitual. So I think they say around 60 days is how long it takes for you to develop a new habit. So oftentimes, any new habit I was trying to form, I would put a calendar reminder in for 60 days at the same time every day to take these supplements, get to bed at this time, you know, eat this during at this time, do my training at this time. And, you know, after you do that over a 10 year period, all of these little things add up. And, you know, life is on autopilot in the direction you want it to go instead of you opening yourself up to, you know, lots of distractions and stress and anxiety. Absolutely. Now, obviously, you've been very successful in your fitness career and obviously in business as well. What are some similarities and differences that you see in becoming successful at both? I think it's thinking of life in chapters and focusing on one chapter at a time. I think too many people try to take on you know, too many chapters because they think that, you know, life is just going to pass them by. But, you know, I kind of look at things in, you know, three to five year windows of, okay, I'm going to dedicate all of my focus to this thing for the next three years to become really good at it. And, you know, really putting blinders on once you, you know, figure out those routines that help you become successful in reaching whatever that goal is. So, Yeah, just eliminating distractions, blocking out periods of time in your day where you're going to focus solely on your goal. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think a lot of people do try to chase too many things at once and, you know, they ultimately crumble and fail as a result. So I like that advice. Now, you recently launched your own fitness app. And, you know, we live at a time where fitness is becoming more prevalent. More and more people are taking care of their health and working out more. But there's also a lot of confusion out there on the proper ways to work out. So what are some of the pillars that you think you would recommend to to pretty much everyone when it comes to their fitness routine? I think the very first thing is what is accessible to you and what can become an easy routine. Like if the gym is an hour and a half away from me, obviously going to the gym is going to be a pain. And, you know, that is not a routine that I'm going to stick to, you know, if you're meal prepping and just eating broccoli, you know, like that's not something that's sustainable. So it's figuring out what is sustainable and what is accessible to you and what do you enjoy? Those are like the first three things that you should consider because there's a million ways to be fit. You can play tennis and you can be fit. You can bike ride, you can be fit. You can run, you can be fit. You can go to the gym and you can feel really good. So what do you enjoy doing? What are you going to make a routine? For me, you know, having access to a lot of different fitness components, I feel the best when I am doing some type of weight training. So complex lifts like back squat, front squat, deadlift, presses, you know, spending about 30 to 40 minutes of my time doing that four to five days per week and doing highly anaerobic intervals. So like sprints on the assault bike, sprints on the rower, burpees, things that really jack your heart rate up in a short amount of time and keeping those work intervals fairly short. So, you know, I am going at a very, very high intensity and then recovering long enough to do that again. That's when I feel my best. 
you know, with that said, like if you want to do well in a marathon or do well in a triathlon, then you have to focus on endurance. And I do love endurance. I still try to get some kind of aerobic activity in every day for 50 to 70 minutes. But, you know, if you only have 45 minutes to 60 minutes, five days a week, then I would recommend lifting moderately heavy weights, doing complex lifts, like not little isolated movements, and then doing highly anaerobic intervals. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I also typically mix it up between strength and high intensity cardio. Now you mentioned fitting it into your schedule and allocating as much time as you could to it. There's a lot of people who feel that, you know, they have all these other obligations in their daily lives and they just can't fathom, you know, taking an hour or two a day to take care of their health and wellness. And you mentioned that you train for hours a day. You're also an entrepreneur. You have other things going on. How important is it to prioritize time for yourself rather than just focusing on all these other commitments of ours? Yeah. So I think the misconception is that exercise is for aesthetics mm-hmm. and you know that's, that's a byproduct. Exercise for me is to feel the best version of myself. And what I mean by that is I want mental clarity. I want emotional well-being. I want to reduce my stress. I want, I want to be in flow state. And all of those things are super important. If you're trying to be the best dad, if you're trying to be the best business owner, if you're trying to be the best employee. So, you know, that is why I prioritize it because I know I'm showing up as the best version of myself for everything else I'm doing throughout the day. If I get my exercise win in, and I also like to do, you know, ice baths, sauna, those things in the evening, I think those are important as well to be the best version of yourself because, you know, it's not just for recovery. Again, it's for that mental clarity. It's, you know, to reduce inflammation, it's to produce serotonin. So all of these things I do, the the aesthetic is a byproduct. I'm doing it because I want to feel really good. I agree. And it, I think it takes a lot of introspection because even if like you go for a run, you come home, you, you realize what a better mood you're in, what a better person you are. You show up to the ones you love as a better version of yourself. So I think if you look at it that way, it makes it much more easier to incorporate into your routine. Now, what are some of your thoughts on, because I know you said you were focused on training smarter, not harder. So what are your thoughts on recoveries? Obviously you said you like saunas, ice baths, and what about taking days off as well? So days off for me are fairly new. I used to not take any days off, but I'm 41 now. So I've, I've, you know, I have to listen to my body. And like today I woke up and I had a little bit of a pinched nerve. I tried working out this morning and, you know, it wasn't happening. I knew it was going to, it was going to worsen it instead of improve it. So you know, today I'll focus on resting and recovery every day though. And this is more preventative than anything. I like to do ice baths, some form of heat, Epsom salt baths, sauna session, infrared or traditional. And my absolutely favorite thing to do is contrasting temperatures. So, you know, sitting in a sauna for 15 to 20 minutes at around 180 to 190 degrees, and then getting in an ice bath for about five minutes or some type of cold plunge and doing two to three rounds of that. You know, whenever I have access to that, that is what I do for, you know, recovery, mental well being, stress resilience. And, you know, the cool thing I've noticed from doing that consistently over time is, you know, just the, the resilience to stress. You know, you're stressing your system out in a good way. So when a bad stressor comes, it doesn't, it doesn't like knock you off your, off your rocker. I agree with you on that. And it seems that you're a very routine oriented person. Is that safe to say? Safe to say. <laughs> what does your typical routine look like? Like walk us through a day in the life. Sure. So when uh, when my girlfriend and I are, are back in Denver, Moab, it's typically a strength session in the morning. So CrossFit type programming where it's strength training, Olympic lifting, anaerobic conditioning, and then some gymnastics or accessory work. 
I usually do that uh, from about 8.30 until 10 o'clock every morning. Um, have a, a good breakfast after that, something nutrient-dense. Lately, I've been doing either eggs and chicken sausage or my buddy Michael Chernow just launched an oatmeal company called Creatures of Habit, having that post-workout. In the afternoon, doing some kind of aerobic activity outside, so getting sunlight. I like doing a flow state activity like mountain biking or technical trail running where you know I'm in the moment. I've just realized that you know for me, that, that flow state continues after if I do a, a flow state type exercise activity. And then in the evening, it's doing that recovery protocol of, you know, contrasting between either a hot bath or a sauna and a cold plunge. And then, you know, having dinner with my girlfriend or, or friends after that. Very cool. It sounds like a great day. What's nice with the contrast hot and cold too, is if people don't have access to a sauna or an ice bath, you can just alternate hot and cold in your shower. And Definitely. Just cold. Like it won't be as extreme, but you'll still get some benefit. You can do that if you have a bathtub at home. You know, yeah. obviously you can you can fill that with ice and then do a hot shower or a cold shower and sit in the hot Epsom salt bath. So if there's a will, there's a way. And you know, some forms are are easier than others, and some forms are going to give you more bang for your buck. But doing any of what we're discussing is better than not doing anything. Hundred percent. Now I know that you're also really passionate about nutrition. What are some of the mm-hmm. key pillars of nutrition that you think most people would benefit from? Again, it's structure. It's eating, you know, kind of the same things at the same times each day. I really feel like when we have too many decisions to make around food, that's when, you know, we fall off track. And I'm guilty of that too. And being in Miami, we've been going out to dinners each night and we're getting dessert. And it's because I have all these options. And it's like, yeah, if you put a a key lime pie on the menu in front of me, I'm probably going to order it. (laughs) So, you know, it's sticking to that same structure. When we're back in Moab, we're making most of our own meals at home. We're eating the same thing, same times each day. And, you know, it's, everyone knows this, don't eat processed food, don't eat a lot of sugar, you know, eat organic meats, organic vegetables, organic fruits, like eat real food. If you eat real food, then you're going to be good. It's again, when we overeat, when we go out to restaurants, we have a lot of decisions that we can make. That's when we're going to fall off track with, with our eating plan. I do try to eat high protein with all of the weightlifting I'm doing. So, you know, I weigh about 185 pounds, so I'm getting over 185 grams of protein each day. I've tinkered with different diets. Each of them have their, their time and their place. When I was training for Ironman, I was eating a very high-fat diet, so it was a lot of avocados, nut butters, a lot of vegetables, not nearly as much, as much protein, not many carbs at all, and that helped my body burn fat for fuel, which is what I wanted it to do during those Ironman training sessions and Ironman races, so I didn't you know, crave carbs and need constant carbs in order to, to perform, but you know, I was very rarely going anaerobic. Now I'm doing a lot of anaerobic training, a lot of heavy lifting. So, you know, I've increased the amount of carbs I have to be able to have the energy to do that. And also, you know, carbs to, to increase my muscle mass. Are you a fan of intermittent fasting at all? A hundred percent. I do not like snacking. You know, I've never done a long fast. I've never really called it intermittent fasting, but you know, I, I feel best when I'm eating three meals a day and when I'm not snacking much in between. And what are your views on supplements? Do you take lots of supplements? I don't take lots of supplements. No, I do take some. I like collagen. That's probably the biggest one that I take every single day. As we age, we, we lose collagen. So um, collagen, they, Vital Proteins is a company I work with, and they named it that because collagen is a vital protein for mm-hmm. our body to repair itself. So I'm um, a firm believer in that. You know, over, yes. I take creatine when I'm lifting heavy. I, I believe creatine is an, an incredible supplement if you're trying to build strength and muscle mass. 
but you know, most of the things we can get if we eat a, a healthy diet. So I'm not supplementing with a lot of other things. And again, I'm trying to eat real foods each day instead of, you know, just drinking lots of protein shakes. Absolutely. Now you've built, you know, quite a digital presence. What ultimately inspired you to start posting about your routine and your lifestyle on social media platforms? So, I mean, early on, I think just like most of us, it was just kind of a photo gallery of what I was doing that day. And, you know, around 2015, 2016, I started to realize that it was becoming a platform to inspire people. And, you know, people were following for that reason. They were inspired by the Ironman training or balancing, you know, training with entrepreneurship. And I realized that like, okay, I, I'm starting to have a brand here and I enjoy inspiring others to be the best version of themselves. So I started thinking of it as that, as not just a place to post pictures, but a place to really inspire people and add value and, you know, share what, you know, I think I have some unique knowledge on. And, you know, each year I, I'm tinkering with different things. So I'm sharing kind of what I'm going through. You know, lately it's been a lot of recovery stuff or gut health. So I'm sharing that message. So it's, it's kind of like what I'm tackling in life and, you know, hoping that that can help others. I love that because I think a lot of people will demonize social media, but you can really find really inspiring people who send out a positive message and inspire and motivate others. Yeah, there's a lot of good con content out there. And, you know, there's a lot of content that leads to comparison, which, you know, is not good. So I think it's finding the right sources for you where you're going to be, you know, it's going to evoke some kind of emotion. It doesn't have to be inspiration. It can be laughter. It can be, you know, anything. But, you know, finding things where it's not comparison because that's when it becomes an evil. Absolutely. I agree. Now, I'm curious what the biggest lesson you've learned in the business world is. Patience, definitely, um, not to, to give up when you think you should. I like to keep pushing forward. I, I mean, the biggest thing is following, following your passions because business is hard. So doing something that you really enjoy so it doesn't feel like work because it feels like work, you're going to quit way before you ever has, have success. So you know, doing something where you, know, you find passion in it, doing something where you feel you have a unique gift and sharing, you know, adding value um, to the world. And just doubling down on that once you find that. Have you had any major failures that you had to come back from that you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had companies that were not a success. I owned a gym in upstate New York that uh, you know was doing well early on, and then ended up you know costing me a lot of money. So I look at failure as a means to success. So like through that gym, I met my business partner in some restaurants, which ended up being successful. So. You know, you're just like stocks, you know, you're, you're going to pick some losers, but you're going to learn from those mistakes and then hopefully pick some winners. So, and also, you know, without that pain from failure, like you wouldn't have pleasure from success. So it's just part of the game. Life is just all about ebbs and flows and just know not to get down when it's not going your way, because like, eventually you're going to have some things go your way. Yeah. And it's just a shift in perspective that things are happening for you, not to you. Exactly. And it's so important to show up, you know, I mean, that's, I think too many people just don't show up because they're scared of, you know, the, the failure aspect of it. But if you show up enough, you're, you're going to have success. I think Mark Cuban said it best, you know, you only have to be right once in yeah. business to, to really do well. So now what are your thoughts on the wellness industry as a whole? Because obviously now there's a lot of products, there's a lot of information. So what's your recommendation to consumers when they're trying to find the best products or information for themselves? Specifically, when it comes to workout programs, I think it's like sticking with a structure to it. So, 
you know, I've made the mistake of taking in too much content in the past or, you know, seeing what everyone else is doing and trying to do, you know, some of that. I think it's important to go through these stages of like collection where, you know, you're just kind of consuming a lot and taking a lot in and kind of tinkering and figuring out, you know, all right, that worked, that worked, that didn't work, that worked, that didn't. But, you know, once you find a routine that works for you, once you find a workout program that works for you, again, it's like doubling down on that. It's putting the blinders on and just kind of tunnel vision with that path that you're taking instead of opening yourself up to like all of these different things, because it can be overwhelming. It can be. And also, I mean, we now live in like this follower society where a lot of people will just go with like groupthink. It's like they're doing this work, so I'm going to for sure do that workout, even though it might not work for them. So it is important to just take an individualized approach to your wellness routine. Yeah. I mean, with triathlon training, the most important thing for me was following the workout program and not like looking at what others were doing or thinking I should be doing more. It was just like trusting the process, trusting that plan I had in place, executing on it and not thinking about anything else. And, you know, I think the same is you know, diet, once you find something that works for you, instead of continuing to really tinker a lot, it's like, no, this works for me. I'm going to stick with it. For sure. I totally agree. Now, what are some of the things that you look for with brands that you partner? You know, you mentioned that you do a lot of brand collabs and there's so many brands out there, you know, especially now in the wellness community. So what are some of the key things that you look for in the companies that you choose to get your name behind? So first and foremost, is it something I'm going to use on a regular basis? Does it weave in with my lifestyle? Because I don't want it to feel like work. This, you know, has always, this has kind of been icing on the cake and has become a nice business. But, you know, from day one, I said, I don't want it to feel like work. I want it to just weave in with my lifestyle. So instead of, you know, really creating, I'm just documenting. It's the, I would be doing this every single day with or without brand deals, you know, with or without Instagram, I would be living my life the way I live it. So does the brand align with my lifestyle? That That is first and foremost. Second, I really like to meet the founders or you know the executive team at the brand. I feel like that develops a better relationship on both ends for something that will be sustainable long-term and something that becomes very authentic, something that, you know, I end up really believing in and, you know, I'm someone they believe in because, you know, we've met in person. So it's not just digital. And then can I add more value than just posting a picture on social media? I like working with smaller brands where I can introduce them to other ambassadors. I can um, really help them build their program I can introduce them to distribution channels. I can link them up with, you know, big events where they can have their product. So, you know, can I can I really move the needle for them is is what I want to do because ultimately that's going to be a win-win. They're going to want to continue working with me and they're going to be happy. And I think that's a much more efficient way because I think that the age where, you know, an influencer would just post a product once, I think consumers are smarter than that now. You know, they they need to constantly see the products being used in order for that to actually become a sale. Can't agree more. I mean, it's all about authenticity. And, you know, if it's just a one and done thing, there isn't much authenticity with that. It's pretty easy to, to see through it, that that was just something where, yeah, that person took some money to post a picture. But yeah, in order for it to work long term, I, I think on the on the influencer side, they have to think of it as like, this is a business and this company is paying marketing dollars. They want a return on investment. How can I give them a return on investment? And yeah, I mean, it needs to be something that weaves in with with that influencer life, lifestyle so that 
you know, it's shown more than just once and it's, you know, it's truly authentic to, to them showing that they use it regularly. For sure. Now, what do you think is the future of social media? Do you think things are going to keep progressing on the social front or you think, you know, experiential marketing is still going to stay relevant? What are your thoughts on that? So, I mean, marketing dollars always go where eyeballs are, you know, it, it obviously used to be TV billboards and, you know, where are eyeballs now? I mean, look around, everyone is on their phone. So I don't think it's going to transition away from the phone anytime soon and, until there's maybe, you know, this metaverse and people are walking around with Oculus glasses on. But yeah, I mean, that's, it's going to go where eyeballs are. So you know, as long as phones are still where people are spending the majority of their time consuming content, that's where marketing dollars are going to shift. I don't know if it's going to continue to be, you know, Instagram, Facebook, the current platforms, you know, it seems like every 10 or so years, they kind of come and go, but I think it will continue to be on some kind of, you know, portable device where ad dollars are going to go because that's where eyeballs are going to continue to be. For sure. I agree with you on that. And it's crazy how quickly things keep changing and modernizing every yeah. Week. I mean, it feels like the whole metaverse thing just came out two weeks ago and everyone's <laughs> already talking about it. That's the beauty and curse of how connected we are. You know, it's like yeah. word gets out pretty quick now. Just think about a hundred years ago, how long it would take for word to travel, you know, it might take 10 yeah. years for someone to find out about something someone else knew, you know? Yeah. Pigeons, it's yeah. almost too fast now. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Now, how important is mindset to you? We already spoke about fitness. We spoke about routine, but how important is mindset to you? And what sort of practices do you have that helps you with with developing proper mindset for the day? Yeah. So mindset, you know, mental clarity, flow state, those would be my barometers for how is my mental health. And, you know, for me, exercise fuels that eating healthy fuels that ice, uh, cold plunge fuels that, saunas fuel that. So again, that's why I try to build my day around a lot of these routines is because I know it's going to lead to a positive mindset. I know it's going to lead to good energy. I know that the universe will reciprocate if I am the best version of myself and I'm putting out good energy into the world. So it's super important. And, you know, that's why I'm living my life the way I do. And that's why health and wellness is, you know, a, a big priority. Absolutely. And flow state is definitely the goal, but it's hard for a lot of people to get there. Yeah, it is. Again, I think it's the people you're around, the environment you're in. I love Miami, but this is not my flow state place. I can't do a lot of the activities easily that bring me to flow state, like mountain biking. You know, finding a cold plunge in a sauna isn't as easy as having it in my backyard and being able to do it at the same time every day. I have lots of options here to go to great restaurants, but I'm probably going to overeat and I'm probably going to eat things that are not best for producing serotonin. So, you know, for some Miami may be the place because they can enjoy the ocean that puts them in a flow state. You know, they, you know, have a home where they have that set up, they have things that can put them in that space. So for everyone, it's different. And, you know, it takes some tinkering to figure out like, where is my environment that makes me my best version? Who are the people? Who's my tribe that makes me the best version of, of myself? And again, I'm 41. You know, I didn't start finding that stuff until my early to mid 30s and really didn't find it until I, I moved out west to, to Denver and kind of had, you know, everything in line. For sure. And I think for people who, who maybe don't have the, the choice on where they live, like whether it be career oriented or family oriented, 
finding like little pieces of what it takes for you to feel at home is super important. Like, you know, you mentioned that here, it is harder to find a cold plunge and a sauna, but there are a few places. So like, if you, if you have some of those key daily rituals still in effect, then you'll feel more at home and hopefully achieve flow state. Very true. But I also think you do bring up a good point. Cause I think for example, like we're in our twenties and I was just thinking of like, once we graduated college, everyone wanted to move to New York only because that's where everyone was living. But again, that's not where everyone is reaching their highest potential maybe. And I think it's, it's really important to be a little bit more introspective and think about your environment and the people you're around and how that actually makes you feel versus just trying to be with the crowd. Now it's Miami. Now everyone's moving to Miami. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've been here for Miami. years and now everyone's just coming down. Miami and Austin. Yeah. And you know, again, I think there's a time and a place for big cities. You know, yeah. I, I think I lived out that chapter of my life and I'm glad I did. I met a lot of people. I, I collected a lot of dots and I was able to, you know, uh, put those dots together to create things. So, you know, being in Moab, Utah, it's a population of 5,500 people. Like you're not meeting nearly as many people, you, you know, it's not as, it's not as good of a place for creation, but it's a great place, you know, to have people come to you. And it's a great place to really connect with nature. So it's like, what chapter are you writing in life? Are you still in that creation phase? If you are, then New York City may be the best place to do that. So you th- can then get to your, you know, thriving chapter, living somewhere else where you have more space, less options, because you've already created everything you need. Yeah. But even that, I think that even for people who thrive in New York City, I think everyone needs to connect with nature consistently. You know, I, I lived in New York for eight years, but, you know, weekends, I would try to get out of the city, you know, surrounded by nature because there's actual like physiological benefits to being surrounded by nature. Can't agree more. Being out in the sun, walking around barefoot. Yeah. These things that, uh, you know, I, we do in, in Moab, Utah, I do feel my best. And, you know, it wasn't until implementing those things on a regular basis that I realized the importance for for me and doing them. And yeah, I think other people along the way, they, they probably find that and it makes sense. I mean, that's primal, you know, that's, that, that was, that's our DNA. Yeah. The simple things. Yeah. So speaking of connecting, I read on your website that you like to meet new people and have coffee with a new person every week. So I'm curious when you started this practice and some of the benefits that you've noticed in your life from that. Yeah. I mean, so for a while it was every day I was doing that. I was trying to meet at least one new person every single day. And, you know, again, social capital, it's so important to have a big group of, you know, people to, you know, eventually slim down to people that you want to create things with. But I don't know, my mind is firing best when I'm having engaging conversations with, with people. And, you know, I've realized that so many of my opportunities have come just from meeting a lot of, a lot of people and having this wonderful resource of, Lots of different people initially, and then kind of narrowing it down into okay, I know the types of people that I want to meet entrepreneurs, athletes, you know, people that are kind of in my vertical where, you know, we're going to have these engaging conversations. We're going to be able to introduce each other to others within this realm, and things are going to happen because of that. So I think it's important to have that, that chapter where you're, you're taking a lot of meetings, you're meeting a lot of people because, you know, that's how creation comes. It doesn't come from, sitting in your bedroom playing games, you're, you know, unless you're going to be a game developer, you probably aren't going to reach a lot of success by, you know, just closing yourself off, off from the outside world. But then again, I think it is important once you've created a lot of those relationships to kind of double down on, 
you know, some of them to create something. And then if you do want to create something, it's putting the blinders on, focusing on that during that time period to make, make it successful. For sure. And I feel like now, especially, it's really important for people to be more open-minded and socialize more. I think that, you know, one of the negative implications of social media and everything that's been going on is, especially the younger generations have lost or never really developed like traditional social cues, you know, going up to a stranger, introducing yourself, like you mentioned, reaching out to somebody that you want to meet. And a lot of people just stay within, you know, the same group of people and don't branch out. And I feel like it is important to be a little bit more outgoing and more open-minded to meeting new people. It definitely is. And I mean, ultimately, that's how I found my tribe was by meeting lots of people and understanding like, okay, like I really resonate with, you know, people that live their life like this and, Mm -hmm. you know, people that have these type of ideas and thought patterns. But, you know, it takes time to figure that out about yourself, you know, who is my tribe? Absolutely. Now I'm curious if there are any favorite books or podcasts or documentaries that you have on that have changed your mindset on health or business. Sure. Um, I love Ryan Holiday's book. Stillness is the key is probably the biggest one that I would recommend. And, you know, I mean, it's going back to mental health of creating space in your mind for mental clarity. And, you know, I, I don't meditate in the traditional sense of the word, but I consider my exercise, mountain biking, you know, long runs, that's my moving meditation. And that's how I'm able to create stillness in my mind to avoid all of these decisions that we have that we can make because of all the stimuli around us and all, you know, the constant notifications on our phones and the the access to content that we have. So I think that's an important one to read and understanding how to get to your own stillness. You know, I listen to one song on repeat when I'm out mountain biking or running, and that kind of puts me in my, in my flow state. And I know a lot of authors have you know, written about that, that like, you know, jazz music or something with a very singular beat is what puts them in their flow state. So, you know, figuring out those things that get your mind into that mental stillness, but yeah, Ryan Holiday, stillness is the key. Definitely read that one. Is it the same song every day or you pick one song each day that you just listen to and read? You know, sometimes it's the same song for a couple of weeks and sometimes yeah. it's a different song each day. Sometimes it's hip hop. Sometimes it's like Rufus. Sometimes it, yeah. it can be all over the place. It's just kind of what I'm craving that day. But I found that just putting that song on repeat, it's yeah. Time doesn't matter. I'm just kind of stuck in this trance. I love it. Yeah. 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 That's a good thing for sure. Now, a question that we love to ask all of our guests on this podcast is if you could have tea with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. Uh, probably Elon Musk. I just think he's fascinating. The, the projects he tackles, like, you know, he just takes on like the biggest problems in this world and executes and has had success in doing it. So he captivates my interest. So I would, I would pick him. He does. And he's great. And something interesting about him is that it took him a long time to become successful. You know, people assume that he just always was at the level that he's at now, but no, he had a lot of challenges along the way as well. That people so many challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he doubled down, you know, at times when usually most people would be like, all right, thrown in the towel. He just, he doubled down. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Resilience is key. Yep. Now, if there were three tips that you can give someone who's trying to achieve their optimal potential, what would those three tips be? Definitely put self-care, you know, as one of the things that you structure into your day. So eating healthy, getting deep sleep, you know, some kind of recovery protocol and exercise. I think those are super important to, to be the best version of yourself. 
figuring out what environment you thrive in, you know, testing different environments and understanding like this is where I thrive and, you know, choosing that environment as, as a place to, to reside or spend a lot of your time. And then same with people, you know, finding those people that you love being around. Those would be my three, three biggest tips to live an incredible life. Those are great tips. And, you know, you're a very inspiring individual. You definitely have gained a lot of success in fitness and business. You seem to be living a really fulfilling lifestyle. So for anyone out there who's going to listen to this that wants to learn more about your work or potentially get in touch with you, where are the best places to reach you at? Instagram, my name, Eric Hinman, shoot me a message. I respond to all of my DMs that I get and always happy to answer any questions that, uh, that I can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We both got a lot out of this conversation and we're excited to share it with everyone. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for joining us on our episode with Eric Hinman. We gained a lot of perspective on the impact that our community and environment has on our well-being. We also discussed the importance of resilience and persevering through failures. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at drinkdowntoearth.com or get in touch with us on our Instagram at drinkdte. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay hydrated. Cheers. Now it's time for you to go out there and do at least one small thing to better your health today. Always choose to make your life a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Until next time. Cheers to good health.